Expansion Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode number 68, Women Can Fly 2, Fish Strikes, and GPS Turbulence Detection coming up now on this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now, here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Sean Moody, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Len Costa. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. I'm your host, Luke Cousins, and joining me on the show today are my favorite group of aviation chuckleheads, starting first with Mr. Call Davaries. Welcome. How are you today, Call? I'm doing wonderful, doing wonderful. It's uh, It's been a great day, and I've had a, a wonderful day going out to the uh, airport. But yes, things are great. It's warm down here in sunny Florida. And uh, just getting used to my new name, Call Davaries. Call Davaries, that's right. Well, welcome, and we'll hear about your... Uh, uh, your foray into the uh, speaking of foray, but uh, we'll we'll sp- talk about your foray at the uh, the airport uh, uh, the where you went today. Blah blah blah. If I could spit that out correctly uh, in just a moment here, but I also want to welcome on the show today is Mister. Uh, like I said, speaking of foray, we have Mister Seth Morfay. Go- uh, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It's it's good to be here. I'm enjoying my new name. I've always wanted to be Seth Morfay, and now here I am. <laughs> I told you I could. <laughs> 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 Come on, keep going. <laughs> well, good. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, all the way from uh, le- lovely Lexington, Kentucky. Also, we have uh, Vincent Zolson on the line today. Welcome, Vincent. Hi. <laughs> Vincent. Mrs. Woo-woo. Vincent to you. Vincent. Vincent. What up, Vincent? Uh, and uh, she's going to share some updates from Women of Aviation Worldwide uh, Week with us here in just a moment. And also, uh, Mr. Reese Farster is joining us today. How are you doing today, Reese? Just great. Very happy that my parents named me Reese. <laughs> hey, Reese, is it cold up there? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, it actually is. In the, well, it's been worse, but... Uh, yeah, twenties right now. Supposedly wow. upper in like in the Vermont, New, yeah, the northern sections of Vermont, New Hampshire, uh, sub zero tonight. With Ooh. a tough name like Reese, you can take it. That's oh right. yeah, you no, we are ready. Yeah. Name like Vincent uh, can't take it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to my entire uh, strange named crew today. Once again, I am Luke Cousins, and this is episode number sixty-eight. Let's do the pre-flight. So a couple of uh, quick announcements, actually. Uh, you're probably wondering where all this funny name stuff came up with. Uh, but just before the show started, we um, learned about the... Actually, Victoria, what was it? That, what's the name of this name generator is you had you and Car- or, uh, Rick knew about? It's the John Travolta name generator. And where did it come from? The Oscars. He mispronounced Idina Menzel's name when announcing her when she came out to sing. And, and it, from there that, on, it just <laughs> went crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't, and it wasn't even close. It wasn't. Like, it wasn't like he just. It was like a whole other word. And uh, I was like, "Wow, I've been mispronouncing this all this time." <laughs> like John Travolta must know what he's talking about. No, 
No, John no. Travolta does not know everything, apparently. No, and up until, if you listen to the clip, up until he said her name wrong, he was selling it. I mean, he was really, you know, pushing, you know, big talent. I don't know what words he used, but he was very into it. And then it was just this name that wasn't even close. No. So, yeah, so we... we, we Hence, I'm web- Vincent. Yes, there's a website yeah. where you can plug your name in and... Uh, we can put that in the show notes. So we all, yeah, we all became the uh, we all became John Travolta's derivative today. Uh, and speaking of John Travolta, we're going to talk about him here in, in a little bit. But Carl did have an announcement uh, regarding up and coming Sun and Fun. Carl, tell us what's uh, what's the news on Sun and Fun? Yeah, actually, we are going to be at Sun and Fun this year, and I will be uh, working the deck live. In other words, I'll be one of the on-air talents at Sun and Fun Radio, be there all week long, and you can hear me and hear the rest of the crew at Sun and Fun Radio. It's easy to find at sunandfun.org. I'm hopefully going to see some of you folks out there. I'm going to try to wear one of the T-shirts, like the Stuck Mike Avcast or Got... What does it say? There it is. It's got stuck. I had to look at my T-shirt. Got stuck. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Got stuck. I can't remember my own name, the uh, or how to pronounce it. And you know, it's going to be just a blast. I mean, they the this year they're going to have so many fun things going on. And there's a theme now for every day. Uh, one's going to be like careers in aviation. One's going to be like the the first. Uh, uh, flight uh, was it first passenger flight? It's going to be all sorts of cool stuff. Plus the Blue Angels on the fourth and the sixth. So you'll get to get to hear me yapping away on the deck and talking aviation with some really cool people. Uh, they decided to put me on the live deck instead of out there doing interviews because they're getting sick of me doing all those interviews and they want to <laughs> be able to rope me in. I think that's really what they want to do. That's what Dave Shalbetter is actually. He's the person that runs Sun and Fun Radio. He said he's gonna he's gonna rope me in and make me sit on the deck and do some interviews. Pretty interesting, folks. We're gonna have this year a lot of the same. We're going to have a lot of the uh, old World War II vets and Vietnam vets up there talking to them and some of the air show performers and the folks that run a lot of different organizations, Women in Aviation, Women of Aviation Week Worldwide, all sorts of folks that are involved with, with uh, these events. And hopefully I'll get to, get to see some of you there. Um, is anybody going? By the way, I forgot to ask that before the show. Is anybody coming to see me at Sun and Fun or is it going to be all virtual? Oh, it could be all virtual. Um, my oh. schedule is lining up where I may be down there for a few days, so we'll We'll oh, cool. uh, we'll see what happens here in the near future, but um, awesome. Who else? April first to the sixth, by the way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Anybody else going to make it down there? I don't think I'm going to this year. I'm I'm hoping next year. It's been a long time, so yeah, yeah not, not for me either. Not again I wish. this year. Sorry, yeah. but we get to listen to Carl. Yeah, you get to listen to Yeah, all the time. Woo! <laughs> and, uh, Go yeah, Carl. They, they okay. just can't shut me up on that. Well, I sit there and I talk about aviation and I just can't stop talking. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, I talked to aviation today for about uh, three and a half hours. Imagine that. Imagine, Imagine that. that. We're doing it again. And we're doing wow, a podcast. Son yeah. of a gun. Yeah. We've had a yeah. busy aviation kind of day. Oh, yeah. We'll get to it later. But yeah, I, I just, I'm, on, I'm on like this high. I just had so much fun. I mean, being around kids was just awesome. And kids that are excited about aviation and things like that. So it's just it's well, that's a good cool to hear. Thing. I'm I, I'm yeah. look forward to uh, to your story coming out here in just a moment. Uh, our other announcement is just a reminder of our VIP email uh, list available stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash VIP. You go over there, you type in your name, your email, you hit submit, and you're instantly added to our VIP list to. Uh, Get uh, inside news, uh, early releases to episodes before they hit the general public, the uh, occasional swag that finds its way uh, out of the storage shed. So that's a fun, uh, always a fun reason to sign up for that. So do check that out. 
a uh, sponsor shout out to our favorite friends at Aviation Universe, Chicago's premier aviation emporium to uh, Laura and Richard and all the wonderful people over there that sponsor the show and help us put this together. It's stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash aviation universe. So while we, you know, we do have a couple of interesting things, as a lot of it's tied into what we've already been talking about. First and foremost, speaking of Sun and Fun, we did have uh, Carl was talking about how he's going to be on the air at Sun and Fun. But uh, Carl, you're actually at Lakeland today, uh, like you were just mentioning a moment ago, working with some kids and some other stuff. Tell us, uh, tell us what was what was going on today. Oh, today was wonderful. Actually, it was sponsored by the folks over at Polk. State College. They brought in some of the children from the Pol- the Bach Academy. Now Bach is uh, right out there in Winter Haven area, and it's actually a charter school. And the people from the STEM program, the Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math program, came over with, and they all have a focus in aviation and interest in aviation, and, and not just flying. They're, they had an interest in many different things. But I got to speak with the folks about what it's like to be an airline pilot and got some pictures actually they're out there on the twitterverse and has some on facebook and then we got to do something really cool afterwards and i was kind of excited you know i, I went out and saw the airplane the fedex uh 727 that was donated last year at sun and fun and the person rob williams who's actually the aerospace discovery center manager he gave us a tour of the 727. He actually had flown it before, so he gave us some really cool information about the airplane. So we actually walked in the back all the way to the front. The funny thing is, that airplane is still an operating aircraft. You know, it's usually you can walk in these airplanes, ah, don't worry about touching anything. And first thing he says, listen, don't touch anything because you can really turn these engines on, et cetera. So all the, all the kids and, and the parents and I got to sit in the cockpit and get our pictures taken. So that was pretty cool. They, uh, I haven't been flying an airplane with that thing in the middle. Wait, what do you call that thing in the middle again, uh, Len? Oh, I you think you move? mean the yoke. That's uh, it, the yoke. Yeah. That's what it's called again. Yeah, I haven't flown an airplane that had a yoke in so long. I was like, what is this thing? I can't, it's in my way. He's like, well, that's how they fly the plane. I was like, oh. So the kids were laughing. And we, we also went over to the tower after that, after we got the tour of the airplane, and they brought us up in the control tower. It was 16 of us that went up in this control tower, and we did... Uh, you know, we split it up in two groups. And what was interesting is while we were over there, there was another gentleman that we knew that was soloing the his student, who was his first solo, the student. And it was, you know, it was so exciting to watch somebody for the first time take off and land. He actually, his first landing wasn't quite successful, but it really was. He went around. He didn't quite do it right, which that's a success, by the way, and made the right decision to go around. So one of the things that was, was really neat is the fact that we could actually go out on the tarmac because now that there's no airlines operating out of Lakeland, they uh, will let you actually out on the tarmac now uh, with an escort, of course, and, and go out to the the control tower, you get to see all these different things, and things are really shaping up there. So they've got all these big airplanes out there now. There's a, a maintenance shop, and so we, w- we went all over the place down there and took a look at them. But what's really cool about the whole situation was the kids. The The kids were just so engaging, and, you, you know, I my hat's off to parents because I had to actually, I don't understand ages that well, so I said, now listen, you told me the age of these people. What grade is that? Because I can kind of relate that way. So he told me, you know, 8th, ninth grades and 7th, 8th, ninth or something like that. I said, okay, I can figure that one out. But they were coming up with these questions. I'm like, oh, my God, what are these, you know, senior high school students? Just really, really interesting stuff. Uh, you know, people that wanted to fly 
and also wanted to get into archaeology and also fly airplanes and some examples there. It was just fascinating stuff. And, and the neat thing about it was that the, the people it, at that age are so excited about things, about new stuff and, and hearing funny stories, etc. And that, to me, was extremely rewarding. But uh, it was also cool because, I, and, and I know I'm getting older because I'm sitting there talking to these children. And I was looking at one of the children, and I realized that she was actually the teacher I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is my, I'm moving along here in life. So <laughs> <laughs> this, this is not one of the kids. And, and, but, but here's the cool thing is that the teacher actually had her private and was going to get her instrument and actually looked into a, a scholarship in the Women in Aviation uh, Scholarship. And of course, we have that, I have that on one of my other websites, all the different scholarships. And it was just exciting to see how excited she was about moving forward in her aviation world. So that was it was just all these different levels, and it all came together. And the person that I have to really put a shout-out to is Eric Crump over at Polk State Aviation. And uh, they have uh, the first four-year uh, state degree in aviation in the state of Florida, so the first certified uh, four-year degree. And others will be coming. So yeah, just a wonderful day with it, with all the different kids there, and of course, this is a lot of this stuff is is in conjunction with the Polk Aviation Alliance. Polk uh, Polk Aviation Alliance is doing so much over there in the Winter Haven and Lakeland area. It's just it's absolutely wonderful to see that they're pushing aviation, aviation careers, and all the industries surrounding it, and it's really bringing lots of jobs, lots of high tech, high paying jobs to the Lakeland area just from the people that are moving to the airport. And part of that is, is due to Sun and Fun, which is part of that Polk Aviation Alliance. But they're also trying to bring more in because there's that school, you know, the Central Florida Aviation Academy that's there. So it all ties in and weaves into this one big happy, happy community of aviators from all different ages. And it, but, uh, it was also neat to see where here's the young folks coming in and when we were at the tower, there was a gentleman there. He said, I'm, a few more months, I'll be retiring. He'd been at the tower for like 30-some-odd years. And I was like, gosh, your, your voice sounds familiar, and that's why, because I've, I've been to that tower quite often. So that's what, that's what I did today, and I just was on a high all day just listening to all these children uh, speak about what they're going to do. And, you know, they don't want to be in uh, the cockpit flying, but they want to design the airplanes, or they don't want to be in the cockpit flying, but they want to actually... To not just design, but program, say, the computers on the airplanes or the simulators, or do something else in the travel industry. So that's really that was really really exciting. So I, I, I really would, uh, and we'll have the link to it. The Bach Academy. It's really neat. It's a charter school there in in uh, Polk County. But uh, hopefully, I will see you guys at Polk County, and uh, you'll be listening to me over there at Sun of Fun Radio. So that's what I did today. That's actually pretty cool. Um, is that because that's part of? I know that uh, Sun and Fun always has these uh, STEM programs. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's science, technology, engineering, okay. and math. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, right. yeah. So there's a lot of that stuff going on. Um, did you happen to stop by the radio station and put a few nails in the new deck? Actually, it's interesting you mentioned. No, they're only working on it on the weekends. And I figured if I was over there, and they knew I was there, they would have put me to work. So <laughs> I kind of quickly, I peeked at it, but uh, I ran away because I know Dave would, would have grabbed me and said, hey, Carl, can you help out with the deck? And uh, that <laughs> he, was, you know. He, he would have understood, cool though. Look. You were there on a, on a yes. different mission promoting aviation, so that would have been a uh, a worthy reason to not be able to help today. But I, I, I will say, though, there's, there's a different attitude at Sun and Fun. You can feel it. I think it's based on lights. Uh, he's the new president of Sun and Fun. 
he actually he's just really promoting and inspiring people and everybody that's involved in Sun and Fun seems to be real inspirational. All the folks that are involved, everybody on the in the campus, and that was that was really cool to see. Talk to someone, say, "Hey, who are you? What are you doing here?" It's like, "Oh, I'm one of the interns from Embry Riddle, and I'm doing this." And you know, you move over here. Another one talks about how they're at the, the Central Florida Aviation Academy. There is a truly is a buzz on the campus over there at Sun and Fun. And it's really, really inspirational to see that amongst young people. It's, it's neat to see young people inspired and young people that are excited about going into something in a career that they're excited about. Well, I was excited just hearing about, you know, the, the, the charter school and how much work they're doing in aviation. That's, it kind of warms my heart to see that at such a young age there's still people as, you know, so enamored and interested and programs like this do exist. So we uh, hats off to you, Carl, for being a part of that down there in Florida and helping helping these children uh, experience a part of their dream today. That's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, it was fun. It was awesome. I got a lot out of it too. So it was, it was just it was all they inspired me. I was like, wow, you know, it, it's uh, just like I said. I, I I just when I listen to children ask questions, they ask the toughest questions. Adults fil- have a filter, whereas <laughs> children don't. And it's like, you know, hey, where, how do you, when you flush the toilet, where does it go? You know, it's like, wow. You know, <laughs> usually the, an yeah. adult will come and pull you to the side and say, hey, listen, I was just wondering. And no, they just raise their hands and say, hey, where's the poop go? <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> I, I just, I just floored me. And it was, there's, there's a lot of other questions they ask. Uh, just like, you know, hey, what about this? And that, the cool thing was, Again, seeing there's a lot of uh, gals there too that were interested in aviation, and and that's kind of something we need to promote. As a matter of fact, we'll probably talk a little bit about that. I think Victoria is going to talk a little bit about promoting aviation amongst women, which is was a good thing to see. And uh, it's neat to see the diversity and all the folks in the in the Mm -hmm. room. And we had kids from all over the world and uh, South America, et cetera. That was kind of cool. It was really cool. As a matter of fact, yes, Victoria is here today. Uh, Actually, the we're recording this on uh, March fifth, twenty fourteen. Right now, it is the uh, middle of the of the week long event, and so Victoria is here to kind of give us a an idea of how things are going, what's new, what the progress has been. Victoria, tell us, tell us, what are you doing? What are you up to? Yeah, well, right now we're smack dab in the middle of Women of Aviation Week. And um, the awards and prizes and official numbers won't be known until April. However. It looks like we're going to have close to 100 events around the world this year. And uh, that's on four continents. So we got them covered. Wow. And we expect at least 30,000 girls and women to be involved at these events around the world. Now, last year, uh, we flew 5,000 women throughout the week. It's always the week of March 8th, the year the first woman pilot uh, earned her certificate. And uh, I was going somewhere with that. <laughs> you were talking I think just thinking of my name being Vincent has just thrown me <laughs> off today. <laughs> Still really upset about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we did some polls and stuff last year to kind of see what the interest was, and 77% of the women who attended a Women of Aviation Week event last year said that they would enter aviation, like consider entering aviation as a career or a hobby because of seen what Women of Aviation Week was all about and because of going to one of our events. 
So it's just showing you that it's growing and growing every year. And we had a lot of special things this year. Our theme was celebrating 100 years of female aerobatic pilots and also 50 years of women flying solo around the world. And uh, again, this year I was U.S. team leader. I'm also on the board of directors. Uh, you would always hear me talk about the Frederick event, but I passed that on to the Frederick 99s this year so I could concentrate on helping uh, everyone else around the country get their events set up. However, I did uh, end up being the ho- a host of the opening ceremony. And the opening ceremony was March 3rd, reflecting the theme of female aerobatic pilots. We had many awesome guests line up, and, and a host uh, who you may know, Global Girl, Nadia Marcinko. Uh, she was going to hop on by, but unfortunately, that was the same day that a huge blizzard hit, closing everything in Washington, D.C., including our venue for the opening ceremony. So you can imagine me Sunday night freaking out about how I'm going to get all these guests and uh, cancel, you know, everything and tell these people and school kids field trips that they, you know, aren't going to be able to see this remarkable event anymore. Well, luckily, AOPA took us in and we filmed an AOPA live studio so we could still do the Q&A with our special guests. So that was put on our live stream website. And uh, the girls that could make it was wing walker uh, Jana Lee McWhorter. Aerobatic pilot and performer uh, Jackie Warda from Jackie B Air Shows, and then also Melissa Pemberton from Pemberton Aerosports. So that was our big Monday event. Awesome Q and A about being a woman pilot entering the aerobatic industry and celebrating a hundred years of female aerobatic pilots. And today. Um, these are all archived, by the way, on our live stream webpage. So if you missed the live event, you can still see uh, what we were doing. Uh, today we debuted an interview with Jerry Mock, the first woman to fly solo around the world. Uh, this year is the 50th anniversary of that. And Carol Ann Garrett, who has flown around the world three times solo and also broke some records while doing it, interviewed Jerry Mock. So they definitely had something in common, and it was just an amazing Amazing interview, and you could see how much uh, Jerry really enjoyed what she was doing, and you could tell her passion for aviation throughout the interview. And then finally, Saturday. Saturday is yet to come, and that's the day that most uh, events around the world happen, and a lot of the flying is done, and then there's also a live stream there. Uh, for some guest speakers on that one too, so it's 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 quite a remarkable week. We're we're growing bigger and bigger every year. It's become quite a monster, and I'm so excited to uh, see the rest of the week unfold. Now entering cruise flight. So speaking of uh, speaking of all of that, this is kind of a you know we were talking about women of aviation stuff, and today this article popped up mm-hmm. online about this uh, very rude and uh, crass traveler on a, on a WestJet airplane who uh, apparently did not like his female captain. Um, how do you feel about that during this week? I mean, this is kind of a, kind of a crappy time to be put talking about that, but 
Um, you know, the timing couldn't be better, actually, because, you know, Women true, of Aviation, actually. yeah, Women of Aviation Week is trying to make girls know that they're welcome at the airport. And these type of napkin letters are not what we want to hear. But you know what? Sometimes it happens and you have to be prepared for that. Um, but what was great about this article is it mentioned Women of Aviation Week and quoted one of our event organizers. And they even did a follow up with her on TV. So, uh, people know we're out there trying to make sure napkin writers don't happen. <laughs> and um, But I admit, I was very, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, I was offended at first. I couldn't believe someone in this day and age would say such a thing, mm-hmm. especially when I put so much work into making women feel welcome and getting them at the airports to see that's just, it's pretty disgusting to me. Yeah, so the... Uh, ba- I don't have it pulled up in front of me, and I don't necessarily want to read it on the show, but the basic idea, or I should say the basic premise of the incident was a passenger on a WestJet airplane, after noticing the uh, uh, the captain was a female, had left a note on a napkin that they had scribbled on a napkin during the flight, and when she uh, when they had reached their destination and she was getting off the plane, she had found this note, and it basically said that there's no, uh, women didn't belong, basically didn't belong in the cockpit, and that there was uh, no shortage of pilots, but a shortage of moms. It was kind of, it's kind of, we couldn't tell, you know, we were all talking about it before the show, trying to determine or kind of get a feel for whether or not it was a a really bad joke or a hoax or what it was, but... uh, Nevertheless, yeah, you know, you're right. It was probably the best week something stupid like that could have been said because it get a get a lot of um, press contrary to the comment. So that is uh, that is definitely good. Um, you know what? In, in in the world when things change, there's a whole lot of trailers who don't get it, and and they're always going to be out there, and eventually they go away. Mm-hmm. So as things change, I'm just going to sort of boldly say that about a lot of things. But as as <laughs> yeah. the right things happen in the world, there's a lot of people who gripe about it, and then the, eventually they they stop there they aren't around anymore. Mm-hmm. So th- this is you know so it, it's it's a it's in a way great that it's out there because it got a lot of coverage, and and I'm glad you got mentioned in the context of that, uh, Victoria. And you know so so it's not surprising. There's a lot of there's just a lot of you know lugheadedness in the world, and uh, and. You know, eventually, the uh, progress wins out. In my opinion, at least that's the hopeful side of me. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's there's one thing that I've noticed, and I don't want to say that women pilots work harder, but they definitely are more. Um, you know, females are more aware that there's a different standard, or sometimes they feel like they're being upheld to a different standard. And I always find that, uh, you know, Carl can attest to the same thing. They always work 10 times harder than the guys in the cockpit uh, almost to, to maintain sure. that professionalism and uh, and really prove their worth. And oh, yeah. it has, flying an airplane is, it has nothing to do with gender. It's just one of those biases that is, one, you know, s- slow to come around for some reason. It's 2014 and women have been voting for eons of years now and, uh, and then we still have stupid comments about how they can't fly an airplane. Well, you know, there's yeah. female doctors, female attorneys, female everything, people out there saving your life on a daily basis and uh, doing all kinds of things. And so flying an airplane is is no more difficult for a man than it is for a woman. It's, it's you know, it's it's the same uh, across the board. So, yeah. like I said, Carl, Carl, you've seen that. You know, you oh, know yeah. the, the women that we fly with um, are really serious about this and they don't, you know, they don't take this job uh, um, lightly. 
Yeah, and, and, and you know, it, it's interesting. I think there's a little bit of pressure on them, but also I think it's kind of odd we're having this conversation. I thought it was odd, I should say. But I think it's precipitated by the fact that we actually don't have that many uh, female pilots at the airlines. That's probably why. Because in a lot of other industries, you see a big mix. So I think you're going to see, you know, kind of like Rick said, I think you're going to see that change as there's more and more females entering the, the mix and, into the airlines, and, and that all go away, that whole perception, okay. et cetera. And, and it's not... That you're right. That will help, and people, you know, gradually things just become the norm, and it just takes a while. And so, it, all I'm saying is, there's some outliers who uh, who whine about stuff beyond the fact, beyond the point when it's well beyond change. You know, there's probably people who still complain about women voting. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not probably. so many. There's there's someone yeah. out there yeah. that's always going to have a. You yeah, know, exactly. And, and it, to say and that's yes, negative. So yeah, exactly. And and they end up being marginalized. So it'll happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, just think, only 6% of women are pilots. And until that changes, I think yeah. women are always going to feel the pressure that they have to prove something. And they shouldn't have to feel like they have to prove something because we are equals. Right. And um, until that number changes, I I don't know if that pressure will be gone. And right. unfortunately, that 6% number has stayed the same for decades. It has not grown yet. Right. So it's, I know you said eventually, but that eventually feels like it's going to be very long time unless, you know, things like Women of Aviation Week, you know, and uh, and airlines or uh, flight schools or whatever start targeting the other half of the population. So, you know, we're 50% out there, these these ladies, there's 50% of the population that's not being targeted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the... The point that you make, though, even though it stayed at a steady 6% and there has been no growth, if you call it a silver lining or one good thing, is it hasn't declined either. So it's not as, if, it's not as if women are being scared away. It's just, I think it's probably some degree with some of these, um, when you look at the events that you guys have been hosting and that uh, what what's going across worldwide over the last couple of years of really working on promoting aviation to women, that's probably where we sort of lacked in the past is just uh, an awareness, a, a, some way to expose people to this. And so I'm sure that in the coming years, we're going to start to see those numbers actually, um, you know, definitely increasing. That would yeah, be great. Yeah, and there and there are a lot of organizations trying to help that along. But you know, honestly, this is like a topic for discussion that we could last for hours. It might it'd be like a whole episode. You know, why why aren't there more women in aviation? And but that's been discussed over and over and over again. So maybe there's some other underlying reasons. I don't know. I mean, that's that's really really be interesting to see why there's not more people flying at the airlines, more more women flying at the airlines. And you know, again, worldwide that happens because there are certain other certain countries and other places in the world where they really can't or there's a lot of a lot of barriers even though they can now they have a lot and I'm sure you know Victoria probably has some examples where they couldn't before and now they're actually entering the cockpit mm-hmm. of the flight, you know so that's 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 also a struggle too so that's that's it's going to be it's going to be a while but it's still going forward mm-hmm. I think you know I I'm pretty sure it's it's going to keep going forward though I agree I agree my theory that's a good theory it's a good theory Carl yeah, it's uh, uh, half gonna, full. Half full. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to uh, move on to the next quick tidbit. You know, it's funny. This show didn't start out being little short segments of kind of news articles and other stories, but uh, it all started 
going and the whole the whole dynamic of today's show changed when we started playing with this John Travolta uh, all his fault. <laughs> name generator and so we uh, started you know just talking about all these little different aviation things that had popped up in the last couple of days uh, speaking of John Travolta Sean was telling us that he plans or is currently uh, selling his 707 what's what's going on with that Sean yeah, according to uh, an article on FlightGlobal.com, um, they say that uh, John Travolta told BBC Radio 2 that he's re- uh, retiring his Boeing 707, the former Qantas airliner. Um, and he t- uh, it says he's been flying it since 98. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure you guys have seen the pictures of uh, you know his, his home down there in Florida. I forget which. Uh, it's some flying community down there. But yeah, you've got the house and then the hangar with the 707 sticking out the back. I'm like, yeah, that's a dream retirement. Um, but uh, it says uh, he has flown it since 98. Um, he flew it uh, to Haiti in 2010 as part of the earthquake relief effort. Um, but it also says he's not planning to uh, hang up his headset anytime soon. Uh, it says that he's right now flying a Bombardier Challenger 601. So... He's still still burning up the uh, turbines, but kind of kind of sad to mm-hmm. uh, to see a classic go out like that. It looks like it uh, it began its life uh, in Australia in 1964. That's when it first entered service. Um, so that's yeah, 50 years old now. So was there any mention of if it was being sold or if it was going to find its way to uh, you know a museum of any sort? I don't see anything in this article. Now I I thought I saw something. Uh, we have to go back and uh, and check this out. But I thought I did see another article where it's supposed to go to a museum upon its retirement mm-hmm. from maybe a few years back or something that oh, was written prior. Yeah, you know that is that is vaguely vaguely familiar. I don't. Is that yeah, the we, one in Kansas City or no? Maybe I'm googling right now. But now, what, what's more important is this sale before or after the flub? On the <laughs> oh. was this the you flub? Know, can we get the can we get the timing this on that? Because maybe was this, February twenty seventh is when oh, it was posted. Yeah, so, so that's see that's what it was. He had it on his mind and he was sad and he couldn't think straight. Yeah, had to be it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was I had I had the opportunity to actually see the seven oh seven in Newark Airport. Carl, I don't know if you had ever seen it, but it used to be parked in the northwest corner of the airport over at the FBO. I saw, I've seen it parked out there a couple of times. And then one day we were taxiing out for takeoff and as we uh rounded the corner of the runway, um, you know, you're wearing the parallel taxiway and then we turn ninety degrees, line up hold short of the runway, and I look up and there's seven zero seven Juliet Tango on uh, holding on the numbers, and I was like, "Holy crap! That's John Travolta's plane." I got a picture of it somewhere, a really fuzzy picture of it somewhere in the archives. I'll have to see if I can dig it out. But uh, sure enough, we were number two in line behind them taking off. I don't know if if John was on the plane or not. Um, but I've seen uh, his, uh, he's got a Gulfstream. I, I thought, yeah, was when uh, I seen him in that. That's the only thing I. I thought, I, yeah. So thing. the whole flying the Challenger was a new update to me. I thought he had just a Gulfstream. And the uh, and the seven oh seven. Yeah, listen to us. Just the Gulf Stream and just, just the seven. The <laughs> <laughs> Not it's interesting. Impressed. They have 
we we talk about that community uh, that he had that airplane. I think it was called Jumble Air. Jumble Air, yeah. And uh, now it used to be called Greystone. Greystone is what it used to be called, and now it's Jumble Air. And uh, actually, I I might be going to an event there in another week or two. So if I see him there, I'll ask you know what he's asking for it. So if you're interested, Len. Um, yes, you know, d- yes. Stuck Mike Jet. That's right. Yeah. We can change yeah. the logo and yeah. Stuck Mike Jet. We can yeah. have kangaroos yeah. and and headsets and clouds <laughs> and. <all. laughs> That know. is a cool, cool airport, by the way, uh, Jumble Air. Mm-hmm. It's a really neat thing, and and they have uh, they have fly-ins there all the time, and uh, you just get invited, which a lot of people do, and you just head on over there, and they have like pancake breakfast. Yeah. They, you can have a wedding there. Beautiful. I mean, it's 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 amazing. The you know Ocala, Florida is is where it's located, and mm-hmm. it's all horse country, and they uh, they have a real big runway. Obviously, <laughs> get a seven oh seven in there. It's like seventy eight hundred feet or something like that. Yeah, pretty cool oh. stuff. So, that's so fun. yeah, that's neat, neat stuff. I, I, I think it'd be really neat to see where it winds up. I'm hoping it's going to wind up in good hands, and like you said, hopefully it's going to go to a museum. Mm-hmm. Hate to see something like that just fall by the wayside, like another. Well, I think we're going to talk about that, but you know, it, it's sad to see anything like that disappear. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Hang on to our heritage. Yeah, we need to. We need to. Uh, talking about airliners, this this one comes out of your area, as a matter of fact, uh, Carl. Um, and it's an old story, but since we all started talking about weird aviation things and interesting aviation things before the show started, this one popped up. So now <laughs> I'm going to reference this one for a moment. But uh, Rick, Rick sends me a story earlier in the day. We've heard of bird strikes and wildlife mm. strikes in airplane, yeah. <laughs> uh, in airplanes, but uh, this one definitely strikes high on the odd meter. And it's a <laughs> it's a a fish strike. And yes, you heard me correctly, a fish strike. An airplane hit a fish. <laughs> Rick, you, yeah. you got to tell me what the heck is yeah, going so. on. <laughs> Well, I, the headline was great. Jet aborts takeoff after fish strike at uh, Florida Air Base. Um, <clears throat> this was a Gulfstream uh, being flown by uh, National Oceani- Oceanographic and a- Atmospheric Administration, NOAA. And they hit, apparently, a nine-inch sheep's head fish. Um, uh, happened in September. I don't know why the story is finally coming out now. Maybe they lock things down just to make sure. Actually, part of it is the research uh, because as you read the story um, – they saw something go by just at the point of being ready to rotate, and so they aborted the takeoff. Um, it was an osprey that flew by the bird, not the, not the uh, aviation uh, machine, yes. Um, and they had something in, in, in its claws, and so they weren't sure if anything happened. Um, but they uh, taxied back, or they got back, and there was no, no, it says there was no bird to be found, only part of a sheep's head fish. Um, and the, 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 the Description of that, you know, is silvery with black stripes on its sides. And they sent the fish sort of remains uh, to the Smith. There, I didn't know this existed. The Smithsonian Feather Identification Laboratory, which is great, you know, to know we have one of those. And uh, <laughs> money, money well spent. Yeah. So yeah. Is uh, that our taxes paying for that? Your, yeah, your taxes. Identifying? Your taxes at work. The guy was thrilled that day because he. It's one guy and he doesn't get to do much, but. No, um, <laughs> um, and it, they concluded that um, that it was a fish because they, you know, they scraped something off the plane. I guess. Hmm. Um, uh, let's see. I'm trying. There was a funny line here. 
Um, that you know, the guys didn't believe they'd hit a fish, but um, and they, there's a story about fish, you know, affecting commercial flights in the past. Um, yeah, I'm going to talk uh, about. I'm going to talk about one when you finish your <laughs> okay. article. Okay, and they, you know, the the um, the, the old the old uh, story from a long time ago. Alaska in Alaska Airlines, the quote that I love is, "They found a greasy spot with some scales, but no damage." <laughs> um, that was not that was not in this case. Um, so that's all. Jet aborts take. It's a better headline than it is a story, but it's wild. And it reminded me that um, you know Victoria once almost hit a turtle mm-hmm. or did. Anyway, um, it was my flight instructor's fault, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was. I yeah. So rotate, rotate. So uh, that's it. That's the yeah. story. But but you, but I guess there are other fish airplane well, run-ins there, that have happened. Yeah, there seems to be. I, I, I think it's the first reported fish strike uh, in 1987 in Alaska Airlines, uh, officially being dubbed the <laughs> Salmon 30 Salmon. The Salmon 37 Salmon flight uh, was going from... Let's see here. Uh, blah blah blah. It was Juno to? Excuse me. It was, uh, yeah, June. It was going headed up to Juno, and it's is a. This story is uh, quite. It's, it's written quite well and has so much information. So I'll leave that to uh, the show notes on uh, on the website. But basically, the airplane was taking off and doing one of the short quote unquote milk runs to uh, to Juno at the time back in 1987. And um, during rotation and, and, and liftoff, uh, the three flight deck occupants noticed a, um, a bird. And they all discerned that they would pass uh, safely below it. And um, trying to rem- I'm just trying to read through if they had heard uh, any sort of impact or what was going on. But apparently when they landed uh, and they came back when they're inspecting the aircraft, they, like, like Rick said, they found a greasy spot with scales. And uh, through some, some working out of the scenario, it, it, it turns out that the, uh, I think it was an eagle as well, uh, had picked up the salmon from the river and was just, you know, he was just on his way home from the grocery store. He was going to prepare his lunch and the fish slipped out of his hands <laughs> And the airplane hit the fish, so I, that's I think uh, that's a likely explanation to how you f- you hit a fish when you're airborne, because uh, otherwise I don't really know how that's even yeah. possible. <laughs> well, yeah. when that article you guys forwarded that article at first, I was thinking like, oh my goodness, an airplane departed, you know, out of the ocean, you know, the one of those runways that are right near the ocean and like a dolphin happened to be going by at the time right. you know and Some i was really concerned fish. that like a pretty little dolphin flying would have been fish. slammed yeah. into the side yeah of the- i was same thing i'm reading the article trying to form a mental picture of how low the plane was <laughs> as it departed the runway was you know rotating you know right out over the water you know but uh now it's it, it always you know what it always involves a bird this is what we're learning this it's, is it's the birds this is true <laughs> It was, all their it, fault. It was a bird involved. Yes. Yeah, well, it's interesting because it got it gets to talking about you know the FAA's wildlife strike database, and it never occurred to me to look in that database for anything besides birds or fowl of any sort. So I was actually going to after the show go on there and start looking around and see if you can search by category of wildlife and see what else is in there. You know, turtles, 
because uh, we know Victoria is a turtle killer, uh, fish. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Wasn't your fault. Well, you know, I told you guys a story about how the uh, there was a turkey that committed suicide, and on one of my uh, fellow flight instructors' 172s. So there's uh, there's there's more wildlife uh, apparently than than I would have known. So I'm gonna go through that database and see what other kind of uh, interesting things have <laughs> have impacted airplanes. <laughs> but yeah, you know, when I, oh, go ahead, Carl. No, I was going to say, it's funny because there, you know, I do a safety program on, on the whole bird strike thing. And one of the things that, you know, for our ornithologists out there that, that's really interesting is that this, this data is collected more often than you think as far as the remains. Uh, they are, uh, most airports have to actually collect the remains of anything. That's why when you report a bird strike, it's a big deal. They have to come out there, collect it, send it off to actually the Smithsonian Institution, or, or there's uh, another one, I can't remember the name of it, but they actually will identify the, the bird or whatever it might be. And, you know, you use that, what is that, 5200-7 form? Uh, I can't remember the, which one, but, you know, the wildlife strike form. And, and there's, there's a lot of different ones, but primarily it would be, uh, it'd be bird strikes. There's, I think there's like snake on there. Uh, and then the next, another big one is, is the, uh, what do you call them, the... the um, what am I thinking of? Deer. Deer is another one that's on there. But it's quite fascinating, actually, how many remains are collected mm-hmm. at the airports and how many bird strikes there actually are and, uh, and sent along. But, but yeah, I, I, like, I like the comment. I, I forgot where I read it. You know, if, <laughs> if the animal's still alive, don't collect the remains. And so, isn't that kind of obvious? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> don't, don't touch the bird if it's still alive. You know, you might get pecked or something. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, right. it's fascinating stuff. I mean, they they there's a whole bunch of people that are really into this. You know, figuring out. You know, they use uh, kind of like DNA, but it's not yeah. DNA, and it's really neat stuff. Uh, how they can figure out the different type of birds based on the bone structure and the density, etc. Um, so maybe that's my next job. I'm going to become an ornithologist, study uh, in the feather identification lab at the Smithsonian. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you might enjoy that. You never know. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know. But uh, it's a a great job for those uh, looking to pick up the ladies. As a matter of fact. Yeah, but uh, (laughs) you know the anyway. What do you do? (laughs) The worst bird strike accident was before uh, Sullenberger put down was the the actual uh, uh, was it the uh, Starlings the what is it the British Starling or whatever it's called. Mm And that was uh, that was actually right there in Jamaica Bay, out of uh, JFK. So kind of interesting stuff. JFK or LaGuardia, one of those two. Neat there, stuff. Interesting yeah. stuff about the whole bird strike thing. It's, it, it happens more often than you would think. That it does. That it does. So moving on to our last and final interesting bit of we shared before the show aviation news, and we should talk about it. <laughs> the uh, it, actually this one's really cool. T- uh, I found an article. Uh, it came from uh, Forbes.com. It's called "Fighting Aviation Turbulence with a High-End GPS," uh, and basically, the article talks about two airplanes uh, specifically. One of them was a Cathay Pacific that hit about thirty seconds of severe turbulence um, over Japan, the island of Hokkaido, and then uh, another one. I think it was involving a. Um, uh, where did it go? Well, I, I missed that one. It's another airliner that had... Oh, yeah, it was United Airlines um, where there was crew injured after 737 making approach into Billings. And so it goes into talking about that 
There's actually about, a th- the FAA cites about a thousand turbulence-related injuries on commercial aircraft each year. And according to scientists, this is kind of cool, but they can take um, information from different weather models and different uh, other types of GPS receiving stations. Now, this is the one where I wanted to try and find where I where I read it, but uh, they can take for instance, from GPS signals from agricultural usage and other stuff that's not aviation-related, and they can predict columns of air. Oh, here it was. Um, You can tap into existing state-of-the-art GPS receivers used for uh, emergency response, engineering, road construction, and geophysics monitoring. So apparently there's uh, there's some moisture in the air and some moisture signatures that help... uh, You can help determine where turbulence is. Now, the one... One thing, even though this this is a sort of emerging technology and it's just something being discussed, uh, it's not necessarily um, obviously out yet or uh, or even temp- really being tested. But you know, to know as a pilot when when you might experience turbulence, uh, especially from a nature of severe, that's that's never something that I even want to fly. And in fact, I uh, if we encounter that kind of I should say we, but if if you or anybody, even us at the airlines, encounter that kind of turbulence, uh, one of the things that we're supposed to do is is land as soon as practical and, and get an aircraft inspection because it's you never really know what uh, what kind of damage could have been caused structurally in a situation like that. Now, the last thing uh, the article said is even though it may be able to do some of this uh, turbulence prediction, it would be more like in the shape of a column of air. So. You may see where it is on the map, but you may not know what altitude it's at. But regardless, I'm, you know, looking through my aviation news today, and I'm seeing this article about GPS uh, being able to help determine and predict turbulence. And I was like, man, that's cool. That would definitely be helpful um, on, you know, on all behalfs. Um, so that was a, that was another another neat little article that came across the radar today about some uh, emerging technology. Rick, I know you love emerging technology, um, but this is this is kind of cool that they'll yeah. be able to take different applications, uh, like I said, emergency response, engineering, all these other different receivers, and be able to sort of compile this database. There's a, Yeah, I mean, it it's almost reminds me of the, the phrase you hear a lot uh, in other areas called big data, the idea that if you analyze enough data the right way, you know, you can learn other things. It reminds me a little of, of the rumors that we've been hearing that that there's potentially a new um, wearable device coming that might be able to p- predict uh, heart attacks mm-hmm. based on, I think, what I read was the audio, the sound of blood flow. That, that, a, that an accurate uh-huh. tracking of blood flow sounds could, you know, could, lead, could, could have more information in there than you would think. And you know, all this stuff is great. And who knows if that'll happen and who knows if you know, how accurate things are, but the more data, the, you know, I know it can be confusing, but I want as much data as I can. <laughs> oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. Sure. So, so let me order a side of data with my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, Linda, to add to this story, I actually, um, we have new radar at work that we're getting installed, and I got to fly one for the first time about a few weeks back, and it can predict the turbulence within the thunderstorm or a column of air, but there has to be actually some type of precipitation in there for it to be able to predict that type of turbulence. It's really cool stuff. It's using the radar. So this is way beyond that, but they're still being installed in airlines, the the turbulence prediction type of radar 
that not uh, not everybody has yet. So even that is is something that's fairly new, mm-hmm. and this is just like a huge leap above that. Mm-hmm. But if you notice there, though, they did talk about you know having some type of you know uh, moisture in the air or something like that they can read. I wonder if if it would be able to predict like clear air turbulence in very dry air. That, that'd be fascinating to look at look into right right yeah and i had to go through this article again to really understand it uh in its entirety uh, but that was the those are the quick takeaways and uh you know it's really it's, it's like rick said when you analyze enough stuff you find something else in there that that uh, becomes helpful that that happens all the time yep. so um well very interesting very cool so that's kind of our uh our oblong, or I should say, our odd show of strange, interesting, weird, and different aviation things that all kind of came together and completely changed the, di- the, the dynamic of the show. And uh, in a fun way to sort of, I don't think we've actually just had a show where we've kind of talked a little briefly about little segments like this. It's been a quite quite a while, but um, a lot of good information today from Lakeland, and I know we all are so worried about John Travolta's financial situation and him having to sell that 707. Wonderful things happening with uh, Women of Aviation. Thank you, Victoria, for, for everything you're, help, you're doing there to help promote, uh, um, ne- I should say, combating the negativity of napkin writers worldwide. Uh, <laughs> some, some fun information about how, uh, how you could hit a fish in the sky. And, of course, this uh, interesting uh, technology that may help us fight our way around turbulence. So, very fun, very interesting stuff today. And our picks of the week. Before we head out, how about we talk about our picks of the week? Sean, I haven't heard your voice in a while. In fact, what was your name? Seth Seth Morfe? Seth Morfe. Seth Morfe. Yeah. Come on down. It's your turn for this episode Seth of Pick of the Morfe's Week. Seth Pick of the Week is uh, I'm going to recycle one from a while back, uh, Infinite Flight. Um, on, uh, I believe it's on iOS and Android. It's a flight simulator. Um, it's one of a few different ones out there, but I enjoy this one a lot because there are several different sort of real-world areas you can choose from, including Oshkosh. That's actually one of them. Um, wide range of the airplanes, and they just put out a new update with a uh, new version of their 737. They've got everything from airliners to general aviation to fighters, um, but it's it's a lot of fun. You know, you can use the the tilt controls, and you know, when you need to kill ten minutes while you're waiting on something, sitting in the uh, passenger seat of a car, it's always good to get up and do a little bit of flying. So uh, I believe it's 4.99, and uh, you should be able to find that in the uh, app Store and uh, App Market for Google, I believe. Victoria, your pick of the week. Yeah, well, I touched based on this a bit ago, but my pick of the week, it just to remind you all of the great stuff going on during Women of Aviation Week, is our live stream page. You can find it at new.livestream.com slash women of aviation. Um, there will be uh, three or four archived events in the end, the first one being... Uh, the opening ceremony, I ended up having to be the host due to some flight cancellations. So you'll see me on there interviewing Melissa Pemberton, Jackie Warda, and Jana McWhorter. Then we have the Wednesday event, which is Jerry Mock, first woman to fly solo around the world. And then the Saturday event, which is Carol Pilon and Carol Pilon. Yes, they both have the same name, but one has an E. And uh, that's a wing walker and a production test pilot. So all those awesome, awesome interviews will be on our Women of Aviation Week live stream page. Rick, your pick of the week. 
Yeah, it's my mute button. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I stumbled upon a video that I really, I just thought was great, very well done and very instructional, especially for um, uh, newer pilots and, and maybe beyond, maybe a little bit beyond that. Um, it's, uh, if you, we'll, we'll put the link on our page, but if you, if you go to YouTube and search the phrase, learn to turn, um, it is by a guy named Rich Stowell. I believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, he's a master CFI and it's, it's a, it, 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 it is a short video that helps you see the answer to this question. And the question he asks is, what is the primary control surface you use when turning an airplane? And, and he's got cameras mounted in such a way that you can see what he's doing with the plane and then he's it's a center stick plane he's flying and uh, he uh uh you know so he does maneuvers and you can watch what he's doing what control inputs he's giving um along with some descriptions and then see what the plane does and um and it's just a it's a great i posted that on uh, i someone found it i i saw it reposted and got a lot of good comments from people who just uh, think it's just a very well done um, and it's it's um, you know it's stick it's just stick and rudder truth, but it lets you see it, so it's kind of cool. So that's my pick of the week. Wonderful. Well, my pick of the week is for uh, for the tinfoil hat wearing friends out there uh, who are paranoid about the government tracking them. And by the way, if you didn't realize, the the government is uh, is watching you. They know what you had for breakfast. They know what brand of toilet paper graces your bottom on a daily. And if you want to keep those conversations private, it's interesting that an aircraft manufacturer would help you do this. But Boeing is now making a smartphone that apparently uh, self-destructs if it's tampered with. Not only does it self-destruct, but there are some other, um, some other technologies involved in the device. It will run on Android, uh, so we won't be seeing this anytime from our friends at Apple. But it's an interesting, interesting take on uh, global security and keeping more of your personal communications uh, secure and locked down. Actually, the device is really going to be focused uh, on government agencies and companies engaged in contractual activities, those kinds of things. So we probably won't see that uh, out for the general public in quite some time. But it's a, you know, it's a little bit of uh, tinfoil hat. It's a little bit of James Bond. And it's kind of cool that you know an aircraft manufacturer decides to, uh, to come out and make a sort of self-destructing a smartphone. Now, it's not going to be exactly like what you're used to seeing. Uh, for, I can remember the old episodes of Inspector Gadget where the message blows up when he's done reading it. So the, the phone doesn't actually, uh, there's, there's no incendiary reaction. It doesn't burst into flames or burn. But apparently during a part of the tampering, uh, it will actually, it just triggers a function to delete all the data in the software on the device effectively. Uh, erasing it in a way where the data can't be recovered. So, fun things from Boeing. Now we've gone from... It's, it's just interesting to see. First we build airplanes, now we build self-destructing cell phones. You never know what somebody's going to build out there. So, uh, that's kind of... Not, as long as they don't build self-destructing airplanes, I'm all good. <laughs> you know, they may, they, they may build self-destructing drones one day. You never know. Depending on the technology on board yeah. them, they may have to. Uh, but so this is their test. They're testing with phones first, and then they'll they'll <laughs> do, they'll they'll put together self-destructing aircraft. But moving along, that was my pick of the week. Uh, let's hear from Carl. Tell us about your pick of the week. Well, my pick of the week doesn't self-destruct, and it's on the internet. It's called Social Flight, and Social Flight we talked about in a previous episode. But I think you talked about the app that's on your phone. Uh, mine's actually I I didn't really use the app at all. Uh, 
uh, I was using the website. And the, the neat thing about Social Flight, it's a website, socialflight.com, where you can find out about other aviation events that are going on in the area, that type of thing. And, and by the way, that's not how I, I actually find out about all the events that I bring here to Stuck Mike Avcast. I do some other research. Uh, but, but, you know, there, there's some very unique things happening. And actually, at the uh, FAA, at the safety program that I'm involved with, they've asked us to put our events on social flight because people are starting to really use it and it's it's a really neat tool what it does it allows you to search by the type of event or or the type of organization put in the different organizations you're involved with find out what they're doing and have it filter and say hey within a hundred mile radius i want to find out what's going on and you know it, it actually uh, worked for me this week because it reminded me of the fact that the annual lake-a-thon fly-in is going on you know, the Lake Amphibious uh, Aircraft over at Lakeland Linder Airport. A lot of lakes in that. And <laughs> it's it's really cool because it'll, it'll allow you to tag it, share it, Facebook, all that kind of neat stuff. And it gives you a lot of information as far as how to get in touch with the people and then say, hey, I'm coming. So it's a, it, you know, it's a social app. It's for people that are into flying. And it's called Social Flight. And you can go out there and make a profile for free and discover many different things that you can do in aviation and have fun with other people involved. It's kind of like a meetup, but a little bit different. Uh, so socialflight.com. The After Landing Checklist. Wonderful. And that, uh, that wraps it up for today's episode. So links and show notes for today's show are available at stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash 68. When you get there, don't forget to like and tweet and share the show. Plus, you can leave us a uh, comment right there on the blog. Of course, if you'd enjoyed this, if, if you've enjoyed this episode, you can support the Stuck Mike Avcast by visiting our sponsors and affiliates there on the website. And as always, if you do have any questions, comments, or show ideas, visit stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash contact. And from there, you can send us an email. Uh, you can reach each co-host directly uh, through the contact information listed on that page. So that's a nice and quick, useful tool for you. Of course, a special thank you to our sponsors, Aviation Universe, for uh, sponsoring today's show. And from myself, Luke Cousins, Carl Daveries, Seth Morfay, Vincent Zolson, and... Reese Farster. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 68 of Stuck Mike Avcast. And until next time, fly smart and fly safe. Hey, Reese and Luce, you, oh, you want to go flying? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, that was very impressive. That was. <laughs> I just want to say that ending, man, that you nailed it. That was awesome. I was going to giggle. That was good. <laughs> You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Avcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Avcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast, a Len Costa production.